mention this because we've had a lot of attacks since the show hit the air, and I, I fell behind a little bit. But Camo Sooner, <laughs> Camo Sooner sent a text that said, it was nice meeting you at the stadium Saturday night. I'm sure you were wondering why some random crazy person was walking up to you. No, Camo Sooner, it was awesome meeting you because I didn't put it together who you were, and I wish I would have. Because, Josh, you know this rule that I have, right? And don't anyone take offense to this, but, I mean, I'm a very judgy person, right? I, Hey, Jay and I are working on it. I'm a judgy McJudgerson, okay? And when I met Camo, when he came up, I was like, this is the kind of guy that I know listens to our station. And then in that, this is this is kind of guy I hope listens to our station. So it's cool to meet you. Cool to meet you. I, um... Uh, Spent a lot of time over on the SMU side Saturday night, Josh, because we we switched around the mid-first update, and they're doing it now at the start of the fourth quarter. But And I was like, did I miss it or what happened? Uh, no one was talking to me. And they're like, oh, no, no, we got behind. I guess everything got pushed back. I'll tell you what. Um, that SM, I've got a laundry list of teams that the Sooners beat early in the year. Over the last 13 years that I've done sidelines, where I thought they just beat a really good football team, right? I, I felt that. Um, I mentioned a couple of them, right? I think 2011, Florida State. I think Missouri that year, too. They didn't play all that well against Missouri, but still won the game. And I remember, I think Corby Jones was a quarterback thinking, ah, it's a good Missouri team. It's a good win. Nope. You know, I think you, the Tennessee win, right? Now, that year's a little different because things didn't fall apart for the Sooners, but I kind of thought, eh, that's, a, that's a really good Tennessee team. Didn't really end up being that way. So I'm, I'm couching my misses with a hopeful hit here, Josh. I think that's a really good SMU football team. For the conference they play in, um, for the the talent that, Rhett's brought in there, you know, their strength guy is, you know, gosh, one of the one of the best at what he does. And I think you saw it. Teddy's been preaching all week long, man. They're good in the trenches. That's very rare for a Power 5 team to come in and be that good in the trenches. And they were. They were really good in the trenches. So kudos to SMU. I said it's the kind of challenge that you hope you look ahead a month from now and you win the game and you take care of business. In the case of Saturday night, for those that it matters to, cover the spread. It's all anyone wants to talk about. But I don't – the jury will still be out. But, Josh, I thought I thought that was a really good football team. And I was really impressed with SMU's uh, interior of their defensive line. It gave the Sooners some fits. And so that – a offensive line's got to be better. There's going to be a lot better defensive lines than you see uh, as opposed to what SMU brought on Saturday night. But there's still one stat from Saturday that I just – our least story, I guess, that I just can't – I just can't get past. And it made me feel a little bit better after watching him wreck shop. Elijah Chapman, <laughs> uh, six foot one, two seventy. Bench pressed 505 pounds this offseason, 47 reps at 225, also back squatted 655, and power cleaned 365. 
I mean, he <laughs> he is a beast. He's an absolute beast. And you put him in the interior with, let's see, 40 and um, 6. I know I'm, I'm pulling the old school way, right? I'm just looking at numbers right now. But I was um, – I was really impressed with what they had. And, Josh, on the uh, the offensive side, they lost one of their best players during the game on the offensive line. Jordan Miller was the other guy I couldn't think of, the Miami transfer. Oh, am, I, am I crazy? Am I, am I trying to make too much about SMU? People were texting us on Friday even saying, the way you're talking about this, I don't like the way this is sounding. I thought they were about what we – expected them to be from a challenge perspective who uh what's what was the sideline reporter's name that joined us hold on let me look back on the magical notebook that keeps track of everything that we do on this show forever and ever that they're late been... i was uh getting late in the contest i was thinking about 580 nate's tax <laughs> yeah which is <laughs> but uh oklahoma made plays i, I would say this about SMU. steve lansdale well steve lansdale lansdale was right it's uh it's a solid smu club uh, i think and Preston Stone was out there making some throws that, to me, shows that, he, yeah, he can be pretty good before it's all said and done. So that, uh, that's a good quarterback. I think that Oklahoma saw Plank. And uh, to me, the biggest takeaway from all of it is Oklahoma got pressed late. Mm-hmm. And, you know, feel how you want to feel about the Lowell's offensively uh, throughout, sure. what, the second and third quarters of the game. But uh, Oklahoma made plays. Late when called upon, right? When pressed, they made plays both offensively and defensively. And frankly, we didn't see a lot of that from Oklahoma last season in tight ball games. So they, they went and they were stressed a little bit and won. Um, boy, you guys are on fire right now on the text line. I love this. We are back to football, baby. Look at us. Look at us. Um, I Now, I want to make this very clear. I don't get to listen to the TV broadcast, but from what I've been told, it was not very good on Saturday night as uh, Brooke, Brooke, who's on fire today. Let's not forget about the best part of the game Saturday. The ESPN guy calling Farouk, Jalil Farquhar. For quad? Is that what he was saying? I thought he said Farouk, but yeah, you, it was not accurate. I can confirm that. TV guys weren't there. It was a remote broadcast. I was shocked by that. Guys, that I'm not going to pretend to understand the inner workings of it, but in my mind, and someone who understands the guts of TV production may be able to help me out, there's guys that are on headsets that are in the booth that are talking to the truck. There's a sideline guy that's there, too. Are you essentially saving two nights in a hotel and traveling two guys there? Is that what's going to save the TV industry? Is that what cutting costs is all about? Because you're doing more damage than help. I mean, I, you don't think Ryan I – think, I think Ryan was doing the game on Saturday night – Usually when he is, he reaches out, but I never heard from him, probably because he knew he was going to be remote. But it doesn't help anyone, man. What the, the sideline person is running around basically free reign, and they can't even really communicate with him because, you know, Johnny's sitting on his couch and 
Tommy sitting in his living room chair or you got him in a studio in Bristol somewhere? You know me. I'm not a, uh, hey, let's use this media thing for handouts kind of guy. But, right. I mean, can't ESPN basically just call one of their uh, mini sponsors and say, hey, we need a room tonight too? I mean, like, can't they negotiate that? <laughs> yeah, by the way, so it was like they showed the guys in the booth before the game. Yeah, they always do. They always have them shown in the booth. That's uh, that's it's a green screen, bro. Yeah, that's a weak cost cutting measure for them to not be at the game is pretty bad. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, um, there's a lot of negativity. Texas will kick our backside in October. That's from the five oh two. Oh, ESPN crew also destroyed PJ's name. Oh. Oh my goodness! Did they really? And you got to remember, PJ, uh, I, he's made it very clear that's a big deal to me. Take a little time; I'll pronounce it for you. And he did it for us, right? T- Toby's got the little clip that he plays. PJ out of Bawari. but I'm here to tell you right now, dude. I am. Uh, oof! I'm going to see a lot of people that butcher that for here to four. Lot of people that butcher that. You know. I can understand if you're broadcasting a high school football game, but when you've got a media guide that literally has pronunciations on it and you're the broadcaster, I mean, come on, guys. Can you do a, can you do a little bit of research? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, just, a, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> I will say it was um, – I like this from Mark Vermeiden. I'm going to get to this BV cut in a second. Mark writes <laughs> – um, Marcus Major had a great game, I thought, also. He had one taken away from him, but he looked as strong as Walker did. Now, I, Mark, for me, I was surprised in listening to some of the um, post-game commentary how much kind of grief that Marcus Major was taking. I thought, obviously, Tywee Walker was the best running back for the Sooners. No question about it. And, you know, I thought he looked fantastic. The Sooners needed a – they needed an oomph, and he gave it to them, right? Went out and finished with 21 carries, 117 yards, a career high for him in carries and yards. And, I mean, it's – it was needed. You, The rest of the running backs and, let's see, Jackson, I thought – yeah, and Dylan, you can – you add all those up, and that's what – 26 carries for 72 yards. So he was definitely the difference maker, but I didn't. I mean, I didn't think Marcus Major looked all that bad. I mean, he had the big shake down the sidelines to score the the final touchdown. Actually had another touchdown that got wiped by the uh, peculiar Guyton 24 yards downfield penalty. Yeah. I just – I'm not – I'm not one of those people that truly gets too fired up about this, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with really any of the skill players. I mean, I'm a big Gavin Sawchuck guy. He had a pretty bad drop. I think, and again, this is not an indictment on any other storyline at all, but I think I am fascinated to see exactly what was the game plan because you can dog a guy for not having enough yards or the drops or whatever, but, I mean, did Oklahoma's offensive line have that big of a problem giving time to where it 
it, it imploded things that Oklahoma wanted to do. I, I didn't. I mean, at least from what I heard from Teddy, and Teddy, if I'm off on this, feel free to text me. But I don't know of anything that I heard him or, or Gabe say, and I, I haven't listened to the, their podcast yet. I'm going to listen to Teddy at two today or three today. I mean, I, I don't know if there was, you know, umbrella coverage or, you know, rush three, drop eight. I don't think I saw any of that or if there were, you know, two deep safeties that made it hard to get the ball down the field. But, you know, there's so many offenses that the staple of it is a uh, staple of this offense is the screen game or the, you know, the uh, the inside run or the zone or whatever it might be. It's kind of a staple of Lebby's offense that we've seen, Josh, is that deep ball. And the deepest pass of the game was, what, the 29-yarder to Andrell Anthony? Which, I mean, I the twenty one yarder to Farouk might have been the wait who no Anthony yeah it was Anthony it was left wide open he was wide open no one picked him up um and that was maybe what ten air yards I don't even did we even listen to him listen to me did the Sooners even try a deep shot on Saturday that you remember where they threw it up I don't even remember trying too many deep balls so. I didn't come away like, oh, gosh, so-and-so was terrible. And this guy didn't do well. I know Gavin had a couple of drops, but – and we didn't see as much Sawchuck as I thought we might. But I just I, – I didn't – I didn't understand the unwillingness to go deep. So, in my mind, it had to be something that SMU was doing or um, an inability for – an inability for Dylan Gabriel to see a couple of times whenever he had guys. Yeah. Probably a combination of all of that, and then uh, the play calling to it. I-, I thought, you know, once or twice they got a little too involved in trying to run a-, a read option game with Dylan Gabriel. You know, he had that really nice scramble on, I think it was a first down and 20 snap where he just tucked it and ran it, but it was a design pass play, and, uh, and, he-, and he picked up 10. But the designed quarterback runs for him and the quarterback read option, I just don't know that that's going to be something that you're super successful with, with Dylan Gabriel as your quarterback. And then obviously uh, the Jackson Arnold package, they ran that uh, a decent, uh, a fair bit out there too. So you took some opportunities away to take those deep shots. All right. Um, oh, geez, it's already 10-17. Let me play this real quick. Let me play this real quick. This was uh, what I intended to play near the top of last hour, and I completely screwed it up. Thank you for staying with us, though. Here is <laughs> Brent Venables when I asked him, hey, Coach, I mean, we saw the tackles, but Danny Stutzman, what, what did he really do well tonight? Here's what Coach said after the game. Well, yeah, it was great. It's all over the field, 17 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, had a sack, and – uh, pressure, fumble recovery. He's a really good football player, and he plays uh, with a relentless, you know, mindset. Plays fast, and he's a tough guy. So he, he had a really, really strong game. Key Lawrence had a great strip, and uh, Justin uh, was a little bit banged up and fought through. Had a second career, you know, interception as well. Some good hard tackling. There's some times we didn't tackle great, and. Uh, but a lot to, to build build on. There you go. A lot to build on. In other words, we're not handing out too many awards, but they're going to keep getting better. All right, to the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line we go. Reaction to Saturday night. Oklahoma beats SMU. We've got Joe John Finley. We've got um, Jay Valai. 
on the Coach's Corner coming up today. Uh, but it's Reaction Monday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Yeah, it's a good reminder, Josh, uh, here at 1023. I didn't want the show to completely uh, get away from us without saying that today is obviously a day in which you simply say we remember, never forget. I, uh, I'll never forget where I was on September 11, 2001. I don't think anyone will. I don't think we'll ever forget how united our country became in the months and years after that. And uh, uh, the obviously just sadness and tragic events of this date. I was on the air, dude. I was on the air. I'll never forget it. That's wild. We were, we watched as the Today Show was showing smoke coming from one of the top of the towers. And we thought that a, like a tourist plane, I guess they have like these little tourist planes that fly around New York. And we thought it had just been, one of those that hit the one of the towers. And it was Michael Del Giorno, Mark Waddell, myself, I think I Brucolari was doing traffic maybe by that point, or Jeff Judy or Julie Blue. And we we're getting ready at the top of the hour to do a fake press conference where Del Giorno was going to retire as a Cubs fan. He was giving up. He's like, I'm done, I'm giving up. And then literally right before the top of the hour, everything changed. So I've been to the 9-11 Memorial. It is uh, it is solemn, and it is heartbreaking. But I think the key for today, and, you know, we get to have our fun, and we get to talk about things that we love, like football. You never forget what this day was like 20, what now, two years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember not knowing if we'd ever go back to sports. Dude, on 14.30, we were, we were on, I mean, a long time. And you didn't know when it was okay to start talking about sports again. But it was a major, it was a major part of what, what brought us back. George Bush throws out the first pitch. Dude, one of the coolest moments ever, regardless of your party affiliation. Right. I mean, it has to be. It's a, yeah, a terrific American moment yeah. and a, a terrific sports moment. But it's uh crazy to think that you know it's it's been 22 years 22 and years, i remember uh i you know share this story every year but i miss litton spanish class still remember it like yesterday we had little roller tvs out we were going to the library to look something up to use the catalogs for something you know spanish class related and we got to the library the roller tvs were out and it was the time when that second plane hit mm. to where everybody realized oh wow th- yeah this is not this is not what we thought. This is this is very very bad, and it happened live. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never forget the fear of that day in worrying about what was next. The fear of that day, because you just didn't know. And it went from the towers to the Pentagon to the plane that crashed in a field in Ohio to concerns over the White House. I mean, it was. And, and, and you're helpless. You're just sitting there watching. They, they evacuated the BOK Tower in Tulsa, I remember, because of concerns of the similarity of the building. Never forget, man. On to happier things. On No real easy way to segue, but you ever want to get a pretty good idea of how confusing the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line can be? And I mean this in a good way. 
and it's what I love about sports, is we can all watch the same game and come away with a uh, a myriad of different opinions, right? You can everyone can everyone can have their own opinion, right? I read Mark's text about Marcus Major, and I said I was kind of surprised to see how many people were like negative about his behavior. Mike and Edmund writes, Major averages five yards a carry on eight carries and caught what could have been two touchdown passes. To say he didn't look too bad might be a bit of an understatement. He's clearly separated from the others outside of Walker for now. And um, and then there's this from Brenton Jinx. All right, no! Major had one good play in space on a pass. When breathed on, Major goes down. <laughs> Tommy Walker had a really nice game. <laughs> I love you guys so much. I hope you know that. I absolutely love every single one of you. Yeah, he did, and it was really cool to talk to him. I hope he continues to roll. I think he's got a chance to have a big game Saturday. Now, let's have a quick running back conversation. Um, I, did I, If I said Gavin Sawchuk, by the way, I just said Gavin, Candy and Norman writes, Gavin Freeman had the drops, not Sawchuk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if Sawchuk had a pass thrown his way, but I'll tell you what. He, he, there's a conversation that needs to be had. I mean, is our running back room completely healthy? Is Oklahoma's running back room completely healthy? I don't know. Because you saw limited use for Javante Barnes, right? And it seemed – now, Javante Barnes is a big bike guy. So – let me rephrase that. Javante Barnes hasn't always been a big bike guy to me. Like, Eric Gray, big bike guy. Um, in other words, when they get over there, they were always constantly on the bike warming up. Shep was a big bike guy. Uh, not really for Javante Barnes that I'd seen, but he was spending a lot of time on the bike Saturday night. So I don't know if that was a, hey, get loose, get ready. But he only had two carries. And, yeah, Sawchick just had the one. I, I wonder if it's still a situation, Josh, where they're trying to get them back to 100%. And, honestly, just – I mean, Tywee Walker was cooking. I don't know why you would have to rush outside of a rest and a rotation. I mean, he was – he was without him and the, the the power with which he was running, I don't know how much success they would have had in the running game, period, on Saturday night. Well, and that one where he just bounced off a would-be tackler and went cruising around, I think the right side was a, a heck of a run. Do you uh, have any strong inklings about how this running back situation is going to sort itself out? What do we know about it through two games? Okay, let's. Uh, you want to deal with the facts? Let, let's just let's nerd out here for a moment, okay? Hold on, I'm going to close the text line. I'm going to close the text line. Uh, the 903 writes, "Drum said they're bringing them back slow." I mean, yeah, I, I, I think so. But you you say that, and Javante Barnes had two carries for five yards last night, or Saturday night, excuse me. But he had 13 carries for 49 yards the previous night, a previous game. Good word, man. Goodness gracious. Sorry. I'm working on my language. Uh, so thank you. If, if they're bringing him back slow, which I don't disagree with, why would he go from being the leading carrier one game to, to the next game? Is it his, 
Is it as simple as, well, maybe when he went, it took a little bit longer to recover or maybe something else got – I mean, he was – he had 13 carries, and the guy closest to him in the Arkansas State game had nine, right? That's a great point you bring up. So I, I don't – I'm not disagreeing with the report, sir or madam, but just if they're – if they are indeed, hey, we're taking it slow, it didn't look that way after game one. Um, I, I think there is one thing that we can't all agree with or agree upon. Obviously, Gavin Sawchuck isn't physically or health-wise where he needs to be for them to have the confidence to just, you know, give him more than, you know, two or two to – did he even have five snaps on Saturday? To give him more than a series, right? Um, it's a good question, man. It's a good question. Where are they with the running back room? Is it fair to say it's going to be hot back? Is it fair to say it could just be running back by committee? That until you get 100% from a Javante Barnes, if he can get to 100% or 100% from Gavin Sawchuk, we've got to count on the combination of, of Walker and and Marcus Major and you know, through, through two games, I think, I think it's looked pretty good. And what they've used with the quarterback run game, which – maybe seemed a little forced at times on Saturday night. But to me, Josh, I feel like you know, letting that room get healthy is big, but I feel really good with where they are in that running back room right now. Yeah, they're, they're okay. And Tawi Walker, 21 carries, buck 17. He uh, had that long run of 30. So, yeah, they're all right. If it's Walker and Major, they're in, they're in a pretty good spot. And obviously the – quicker you can get Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk fully up to speed would be nice mm-hmm. for this football team. And, you know, I mean, part of it with Barnes might just be, again, like you said, Walker was running it well. So yeah, true. you feed the hot hand. True. And, and again, Travis had made this point, and I agree. I mean, they maybe, maybe for Barnes after week one, it just didn't bounce back like they thought, so it takes more time. Or maybe it's just going to be whoever is hotter. I, it's wild because, you know, you don't you forty seven carries, one hundred and eighty nine yards in game one, right? You ran the ball a lot and 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 really did a good job rolling that clock down uh, late. Well, let me rephrase that. Did I say in game one? Uh, in game one, forty nine carries, two hundred twenty yards. Game two, forty seven carries, one hundred and eighty nine yards. So while you had a little bit more of a dominant individual rusher. You didn't have kind of that depth. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not worried about it. And it's funny. I tried to sound alarms in the preseason. I found myself worried. It's like no one seems to be worried about the running back situation. There's not experience here. But, Josh, in the end, everyone, you know, they. I feel like they're getting what they want out of it. Can it be better? You bet. You know, I, I think that I said this earlier. I think I'm – I'm putting Tyby Walker in my spotlight Saturday. I think he's got a chance to have a big game against the University of Tulsa. I love my alma mater, but I I think I think TU's going to have a tough time slowing down the Oklahoma run on Saturday night. I think – or Saturday afternoon, I guess I should say. So, you know, maybe we see more depth. Maybe Gavin Sawcheck gets back to 100%. But, you know, Josh, I guess just the bottom line for me more than anything else – even though you haven't had one of the perceived rock stars break out yet, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. 
I'm not worried about. If it. this team's best running back is Tawi Walker, this team's best uh, running back is Tawi Walker. Marcus Major, <laughs> I mean, right? It's just whoever's back there, be productive, and that's okay. All right, quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll hit your text. They're really good. 405-651-3439. It's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Um, don't forget, don't forget, we're headed to Tulsa on Friday. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to be there and be a part of it. Regardless, we're heading there. So, uh, Robbie DeRossett, I might be doing my show from your living room. Just be ready. But we're headed to Tulsa uh, on Friday to get you ready for OU and TU right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Um, I, I think I've set a record this week, Josh. I feel like this has been a new record that has been set for me. I've never had more people asking for tickets to this game than I have this week. This is my reminder, okay? Just fair reminder, and I love you all. I have no power at the University of Tulsa in getting tickets. <laughs> I've been called a traitor in my own home for not being able to get my my wife tickets to the game. Um, several friends have reached out. They had a great deal early, right? They had a really good deal. That was a multi-game package. That sold out quick, and they officially announced a sellout. So, I mean, I do – I guess it's my own mistake because some will be like, hey, man, what about this? I'm like, yeah, let me see what I can do. And I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. I can't <laughs> – what can I do? Nothing. <laughs> I'm not the ticket guy. I'm not Josie. Might as well be straight up about it, right, and step right. behind to people. Sure. I know. I, from now on, whenever you ask me, like, yeah, no, I can't do that. Sorry. I mean, because I don't want to let anyone down. It's, it's but tough in that moment. Right. It's tough in that oh, moment. Yeah, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> let me see what I can do. Nine. Let me just tell let, let me tell you something. 9.95 out of 10 times when I tell you, let me see what I can do to help. That means I have absolutely no way of helping you except for basically coming back two days later and saying, <laughs> sorry, I did everything I could. <laughs> how, uh, how much comparative scoring? Can we do this week to last week as compared to what Washington did versus Tulsa? I know that I, was there, and this will be here. I've got to go back and watch Tulsa-Washington. That was, that was hidden, like, on the Pac-12 network. So I've got to go, I've got to go find it. I've got to see how things look. That team's, like, down in their third quarterback right now. But I am uh, – it's kind of funny how – it's kind of funny, Josh, how in my world – you know, I remember being in Tulsa as a Tulsa grad and doing radio shows and thinking to myself, Dude, I think they got a chance to compete. I think Tulsa's got a chance to compete. I think they can keep this game tight. And I think I was right once, <laughs> once. And it took, you know, a Herculean performance from Garrett Mills and Paul Smith to even make that a reality. You know, when, I, I, you know what? That's actually unfair. When Tulsa came here the last time, that was a heck of a game. Kiaris Garrett had a big game. Tulsa couldn't cover him. Or, I'm sorry, Oklahoma struggled covering him. That was a good football game. But you expect this to be uh, a solid performance for OU on Saturday. And I'm sure there'll be a little extra red you-know-what on it after some of the mistakes that they made on Saturday, right? Some of the things they want to get better at. All right, you want to hit some texts? Sure, let's uh, let's talk to the people. All right, this is uh, this one just came in from the nine one eight. 
just came in. New Sooner fan. Welcome. I know we hate Texas. Yes. But what did you guys think of the assessment during the Texas-Alabama game that, quote, Texas looks like an SEC team and are ready for coming over, but OU still has some way to come, but they'll get there. Fair assessment. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so I'll give you some some advice or some help here. We spent the 10 o'clock hour on this very topic on Friday's show. The whole, Just about the whole hour, right? Uh, the whole first half hour. Then we had our uh, sponsor interviews that we take care of on Fridays with our buddy David Goodspeed. But I'd go back and listen to that first 30 minutes and tell us what you think. Because, I mean, there's a lot of Texas bashing that goes on there. <laughs> but I also, I don't necessarily know that Oklahoma is like this world behind from where Texas is. Hey, that's a heck of performance by Texas. I know Kirk Herbstreit doubled down on that on Saturday night. I think he mentioned it like a couple of times during the broadcast. Like, this is an SEC team. They, they just went on the road and beat Alabama. You know, the, the quarterbacks that have done that in the Nick Saban era are names like Joe Burrow and, what, Chad Kelly. Come on. Right. I think it was Chad Kelly from Ole Miss that beat him. And Johnny Manziel. You you don't beat Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. And Quinn Ewers in Texas just went and did it. So it's impressive. No doubt it is. 21-game win streak snapped at home. Can I, can I pose a question dovetailing off that? The real, real thought. How do you think things would have gone if Oklahoma played Georgia on Saturday like they were supposed to? It's too early to answer okay. that question for me. Right. I, my thought is Georgia would win, but uh, I'd like to say that Oklahoma would be competitive. But okay, I don't think Georgia's looked all that great. Yeah, but they haven't played Oklahoma. You know, right. it's like suddenly you play someone that's not Ball State or who they open with. I mean, I don't even remember off the top of my head. Suddenly you're playing. It's like Oklahoma, and things ratchet up a little bit, right? Yeah, it's just so hard to get a gauge on on them okay. so far. I was trying to play that out in my mind to see if I could have some sort of smarmy tweet to fire up the uh, SEC faithfuls or the Georgia fans, <laughs> who, from what I've been able to tell, take things very personally. So I was ready to try to troll that on Saturday night, but no, I. Come on, man. Texas just beat Alabama. All, all, you, all you had to tweet was, ah, Georgia's so lucky they didn't have to play OU this weekend. It would have been, right. been OU and Texas both smacking Alabama and Georgia around. <laughs> <laughs> that thing would have went viral in two seconds. Yeah, you know what? You guys are lucky you didn't, didn't stay with that OU schedule. You better be thanking Greg Sankey <laughs> right now. Or it would be an ultimate embarrassment for both Alabama and Georgia because they both would have gone down. Think that would have been well received? <laughs> um, oh, so let me let me hit a couple more here. 405-651-3439. And by the way, uh, Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show. Everyone, make sure they follow us at KREF Sports. Spence in Tulsa has had a couple of good ones here. Uh, Tommy Walker was running was running like Ramondre did, just refusing to go down. I don't care if Barnes and Sawchuck are healthy. 
give Walker the rock until somebody proves to be better. So I think where's where's Jai's uh, tries text. I think there is I think there is sometimes this idea that because you're a walk on, you're not good enough. Like listen to this. We definitely have lowered our standards, right, Trey? For running backs and quarterbacks, letting a walk-on running back and a D2 QB try and win games for us while Texas is beating Bama, we struggle with SMU? I mean, in fairness, Dylan Gabriel came from UCF, which isn't Division Two, but I understand it. I don't think Trey's opinion is a good one anymore. I know there's a lot of people – well, let me rephrase that. Uh, several people in the media that if you're a walk-on and you're on the depth chart, then it's just they're, they're messing with you and they're trying to create a story. But, I mean, guys, we, we, we're not sitting here looking at a depth chart that has 22 walk-ons on there <laughs> or uh, on either side of the football. I mean, they're, they're sprinkled in like two spots. Now, you might say they're the most important spots. Well, you've got four dudes behind them, and two of them haven't been able – well, five dudes, I guess, behind them. Two of them haven't been able to stay healthy, and two of them are freshmen. So you can dump on the fact that it's a it's a walk-on or say, man, we're finding a way to win these games, and you might say struggle with SMU. I don't know. I've always been told, Trey, that good teams win and great teams cover. And Oklahoma covered on Saturday night, right? Isn't that all we care about now? I would just say I, I don't know if that's the tone that I would take on this. Should be celebrating it. You might say uh, that's a pretty spectacular walk-on. Right. That is grinded to get to this point. Um, from the 580, on a scale of one to the streets of Lawton, how scared should we be of Texas? Um. Fear nobody. We had these Wood River Oiler High School basketball shorts, Josh. Fear nobody. Respect everyone. Texas's offensive line looked really good. Looked really good. And they took they took charge of a Bama defensive line that I thought was really good. So, never going to be scared, but, dude, I really respect what their offensive line did. Kyle Flood's done a heck of a job with that group. And uh, that's two NFL guys at left and right tackle. We have two NFL guys for the Sooners at left and right tackle. We just got to figure out how things are going on the interior. Quick break. When we come back, put a wrap on hour two. Get you ready for, instead of the top five stories of the day, top five things we learned from Saturday next right here on The Ref. Since we've been all over OU, we hit a couple of quick thoughts on a few of the other games. Yeah. You know, I was really impressed with Texas. How can you not be to pull away that win? I'm, you come away with a few things you look at that don't look very Bama-like. That secondary didn't look very Bama-like. But, yeah, you've also got some NFL dudes on the outside for Texas. Josh, I was um, I was less than impressed by some of the teams that I thought would roll this weekend, Utah and, and Oregon, mm-hmm. though – I mean, Texas Tech, oh, my gosh. Mm. That pick six. Shuck, what are you doing? 31-30. I mean, he threw it right to the defensive lineman. 
And then the Utah-Baylor game, man, that that last play, that was P.I. Baylor should have had another shot, but uh, they played hard. I guess maybe Cincinnati from the Big 12 is the team that really surprised me the most. Emory Jones and the Bearcats taking it to Pitt. But listen, we're not talking college football if we're not talking about two traditions that are starting to peak back up a little bit. Uh, Dion's got him cooking in Colorado right now. Though I will say, I like how everything has to now be some sort of disrespect, right? Shador Sanders was disrespected by Kendall Bryles at a quarterback camp. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Matt Rule, for standing in his normal normal pregame spot. <laughs> what? <laughs> did you hear? What, what did he say about uh, Dion? Did he actually say anything negative? No, no, not a thing. Not a thing. I was going to say, I mean, that sounds so out of character for Matt Rule. He he hasn't said anything negative about Deion Sanders. But, hey, it's sports, right? We're we're always going to manufacture an edge. Shador Sanders comes out. He's like, you know, they're standing on our – he's standing on our logo, and that's disrespectful. I'm like, it's – it's the 50-yard line, man. That's where the coaches usually stand. What uh, What was the line he used? Uh, I love the Buffaloes. Yeah. You know, Colorado. I love the Buffaloes. You know, Colorado. It's, I'm like, you've been there for like three months, dude. What? <laughs> you've been there two minutes. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, but I guess I appreciate it because you found an edge. Dude, Nebraska is a disaster protecting the football right now. Disaster. And then Miami, dude, they beat the snot out of Texas A&M in the second half. They crushed them. Yeah, it's a big win for them. I uh, I want to make this very clear, too, to the uh, people who are texting me. I have no control over what games they show the highlight of on the big screen. So when they don't show Texas, I don't control that. Top five things we've learned from Saturday Night Next right here on the road. 